there's a new way of thinking and an opportunity these days that we have with multiple platforms to make different streams of income, finding a way to create that second, third, fourth stream of income so that you are able to put max time in your family, but also max time in just growing in your practice too. Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast presented by Generations Bank. I'm Luke Hannon. I'm Max Harrell. Gentlemen, welcome on. Yeah. Max, you're normally here. We have a guest. Introduce yourself, sir. Thank you guys for having me. My name is Zach Hawker from Russellville and went to school up here at Fayetteville and I knew this would be my forever home. So happy to be here 14 years later and still calling it home. Yeah. Hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Hanging out with us. That's it. Could you imagine your life early on to hanging out in a bank conference room (laughs) Doing a, a money podcast. Hey, it's fun and hanging out with great people. So, right. well, I don't know if it's a step down, up, or sideways, but it's a step nonetheless. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, you grew up in Russellville. Yeah. yeah. The Cyclones? Cyclones. So, you were a Cyclone. We actually played Springdale. You said you're Did Springdale. You? Springdale. We yeah. played Springdale quite, I say, a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Cyclone, is that like a, that's a weather. <laughs> tornado. That's with what rain. they're going for. That's what they're it's like. Going a, it's like a junior yeah. hurricane. I think is it's that kind right? of an open ended, uh, however you want to describe But yes, that's what they're going <laughs> it for. It just spins. It's something that spins. It creates trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, now the cyclones and, uh, yeah, no, thankful I was born and raised there and thankful that community. They're, they're a bunch of, a bunch of great people down there. Yeah. So, so, so what cool. are you, what are you doing today? What's line of work look like and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I uh, I'm in commercial real estate. Okay. I've been a broker, commercial real estate broker for the last uh, six seven years now. Uh, all the while trying to expand a portfolio and syndicate as much as I can and and invest where I can in the market. And yeah. and uh, so you know more of my practice is is segueing into the investment uh, the investment side. But uh, nonetheless, I love brokering and the people that got me to this point have, have been uh, been awesome. So cool, cool. It's great. All right, and then you skipped a pretty important piece there in the middle, right? All right, let's take us through <laughs> take us through being a cyclone to to getting into real estate and what that what your life looked like that's slightly different than uh, what Luke's life looked like <laughs> <laughs> uh, in between that time frame between yeah, sure. uh, between all that. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I graduated uh, from Russellville in uh, 2010, and then went to Arkansas. Uh, played. Played football at Arkansas for four years, um, and uh, I was the place kicker there. And uh, played for three different coaches. Uh, I got recruited by Coach Petrino. Played a coach for, me for a couple of years. Uh, had had Coach Abilama for, excuse me, Coach John L. Smith for a few for I guess a year, and then yeah. and then Coach Abilama for a year. And so uh, played played four years at Arkansas. Um, I'm fortunate that that uh, I got to go play in the NFL for a little bit as well. So I, I played on six different teams in four years. So, uh, well traveled. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was an, an awesome experience. I don't, I don't take it for granted by any means, but, uh, it's, I'm thankful to be home too with my family and, <laughs> yeah. and sleep in my own bed every night, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a really fun journey. I met some of my best friends on that, on that ride and, uh, exposed to a lot early on, you know, and, and uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of that contributed to what I want to do today. Cool. And uh, while we're here. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, I don't know how many folks that you and I have come across, Luke, that have been drafted in the NFL, but 
We got one across from us today. Yeah. So not many. How, how many yeah. other kickers were drafted that year? One other kicker, and we were drafted back to back. Oh, really? Were you, back were you to first? Back. I was first. There Let's we go. go. <laughs> Let's go. Best kicker in the Which nation. I can't remember. It was like two. I honestly can't. It was like two fourteen and two fifteen back to back, and it was funny because there's so there's such a little amount of time of overlap between the picks. Yeah. That he was talking to Washington, I was talking to Detroit. Like you're talking to all these teams yeah. Yeah. before they actually pick you. So there's, you know, you can get you can field calls many times, or your agent is trying to call you, letting you kind of give you a heads up what's going to happen, and then you can never get picked. So yeah. I just had I had no clue what was going to happen. <laughs> he didn't either, and uh, ultimately both got picked back to back. So, so did they uh, they call you ahead of time and say, "Hey Zach, we're picking you," and then you see yourself, you know, on the ticker line and uh, you know on ESPN or something, or or was it one of those things where you just saw yourself on there, and you're like, "Oh man, yeah, I'm Redskin now." <laughs> yeah, it's they they end up calling you. There's there's probably a a, a few minute delay from okay. the time they make the call. They draft you, you accept everything, gotcha. and you talk to all the round. You see the roundtable coaches. You go around talk to everybody, the owner. Yeah, and then uh, and then once you hang up, there's probably a couple minute delta there before it shows up on TV. Yeah, and so it's it's a it was a delayed reaction. I'll never forget. I was sitting on my on my front porch at my parents' house in Russellville, and just kind of really stressed out and anxious about everything sure. happening. I knew like even if I didn't get drafted. That day, I was going to find out where I was going to go play football, yeah. and so I was going to have to leave at some point, right? And I didn't know where it was going to be in the country. Yeah. So I'm sitting there trying to be, trying to have a keep perspective and and stay peaceful about everything. And it was cool because I was on the phone and and they drafted me, and I did. I just stayed on the front porch. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, and then my family's inside watching TV, and I came outside. <laughs> and, uh, so it was it was a lot of fun. It was, it was stressful, but it was yeah. it was a fun moment too. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for giving us a little insight there. Obviously, uh, you are our first uh, draftee interview. So yeah. Ed played a little football back in the day. He did. But yeah. as we mentioned on a previous episode, the Cowboys aren't calling, and, and they never did. <laughs> no. Un- unlike, unlike the situation here where the Cowboys might pick up the phone and say, hey, Zach, you got any leg left? Yeah. So, no, That's was, the crazy yeah. thing. The NFL... Obviously, running backs right now are a huge topic of discussion. Yeah. Turnover rates like three or four years. Let's just draft another guy. Mm-hmm. Kickers, I mean, uh, Crosby is he one? He's one of the oldest in the NFL yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, he's gray everywhere, and so you can stay kicking. So just to speak to the competitiveness of sure. that position, because um, the fitness is still there, absolutely, but. Um, you're not taking hits like a running back, you know. That's right. So, you, you hope not. That's yeah, right. you hope not. You hope not. So yeah, and you're only as good as your your last performance. Yeah. So you yeah. get judged. I mean, that's there's a lot of uh, critique and judgment based on like what can you do for me right now. And yeah. on top of that, you're the most expendable person on the team. You know, you're typically the the healthiest because you don't get beat up, but you're also the the cheapest. And there's <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of a lot of guys out there that are waiting for that one shot, yeah. you know, and so you really have to walk on eggshells yeah. uh, 
you know, you can't show that you are, but yeah. you've got to be, you've got to be aware that the second that something may go a little bit south or it may not go south, it may just be something where the front office wants to make a decision. Yeah. And that happened to me several times where yeah. they just wanted to make a change um, even before I, I got the chance to kick in front of them. So um, a lot of that's just a part of the business. But to your point, the the competition, there's only 32 spots yeah. in the world for it. And there's a lot of guys that, that can do it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always tell people they're, they're, were much better athletes than me that should have had the shot to play. It's just right place, right time. Sure. And that that's a lot of, you know, the same for a lot of cases. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think there is a goat of that position? Justin Tucker. Thank you. Justin Tucker. Adam, Adam Vinatieri. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, paved, paved the way there. And, like, he's a household name, right? And so everybody knows who Adam Vinatieri is. But uh, Justin is just, he's just a different, different level of yeah. confidence and just um that and that's it the the mental game of of that position is, is everything and not to say that adam wasn't mentally tough just justin is he's mentally tough but also just like the talent that, that he delivers on and yeah. obviously his numbers speak for themselves so yeah. yeah he's he's, he's in my opinion the best to ever do it i'm a seventh grade they put me at linebacker okay my youth center football <laughs> And where, being, where are we going here? Being from real quick, real quick roundabout. <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, being from Arkansas, yeah. you're either like Cowboys, kind of Cowboys, kind of Chiefs. I'm like, no, I'm gonna do something different. <laughs> Who do I need to study? Ray Lewis. So I'm a Ravens fan. Sure, love me some Justin Tucker. See, we're back. That was quick. Yeah, you've always Go remind, reminded me of Ray Lewis. By the way, <laughs> I look. Yeah, the presence. Yeah, physical dominance. <laughs> the build. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, can you do the I know dance? It's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's. I think this is being filmed too. So okay. I can't wait to see that. Uh, okay, real quick too. Just a. Cu- I know you're a place kicker. We got yeah. the goat debate settled. Not sure. much of a d- debate. There. I know. I, I would agree with the fantasy unreal. By the way, yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, I yeah. Believe it. Okay, I have a few kickoff questions. Wow. Do you feel qualified to ask, to answer some of these? Yeah, go for you're it. Much more qualified than Max. So, <laughs> okay. How difficult is it? to kick a touchback? Um, it's it's tough to do. In 100 attempts without fatigue, could you do it 100 times? No. No? Could Justin Tucker? No. Well, he doesn't do. Well, he might. He might do kickoffs. Justin would be 100, does, 100 yeah. kickoffs in a row is a lot. Um, without fatigue, though. Oh, like without fatigue? In a vacuum, yeah. Yeah, I mean, every, I, I think that uh, like a Justin... Yeah. Or like a a great kickoff specialist would have the opportunity to do that as long as the technique, you know, that's that's the thing too. A hundred a hundred shots, uh, there's maybe a little bit of delta there to to yeah. Hit, and yeah. like miss hit a ball or something like that. But yeah, yeah there's a lot of guys. Ex- if you if you take difficult. fatigue out, there's a lot of a lot of guys that, that, that can do that. But it is extremely difficult. It is. It is. I yeah. couldn't do it. I couldn't get one, maybe. And I, it's, just, it's, I just really thought you were going to segue this into a different set of questions, but these are legitimate kickoff questions. I'm curious because I watch kickoffs oh, I every Saturday and Sunday <laughs> and Thursday, and you know if there's some action Wednesday, so I need to know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. No. It's it's uh, there's a lot, a lot of talented guys out there, and a lot of people don't realize like they think kicking off is you just are running at the ball and yeah yeah as hard as you can and see what happens. And there's so much technique involved with like cadences and approach and ball placement. And there's just little bitty details that get overlooked sometimes. And the guys that take it serious and figure it out are the guys that can do it. Yeah. 
Okay. So, are you a fan of the squib? <laughs> just, I think it's a, just one of the, the best plays in all of football. There's a time and place for it, for sure. <laughs> I've had a few squibs in my day, but uh, <laughs> I don't like them as much as just the, your, your, your traditional. But uh, they are. It, it, it's a fun change up. Yeah. Have you ever just tried up. to absolutely smoke the guy? Yes. Ten, ten yards in front of you. That yes. should be. You know. Have you done it? Have more. you done it before? I so we had a play drawn up in practice in high school. And that was the play. That's awesome. <laughs> it was, you are going to kick the guy right in front of you instead of it being like an on, which we never like went for this in a game. Yeah. Um, but I, I literally worked on hitting a squib right at the guy <laughs> 10 yards in front of me in hopes it would bounce off him and we would recover the ball. That's yeah. incredible. And so uh, I forget the guy's name in high school that had to play that role. But he did a few times, and I smoked him. <laughs> so there was and one guy <laughs> on the practice squad of the return uh, team. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that maybe, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they did switch it up, but uh, it, 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 it's really tough to do. But yeah. uh, so we we never we never went for yeah. it. But we our coaches were trying to get creative there for a little bit. <laughs> Love it. Okay, I was practice today, honey. <sighs> Look at my Zach I'm drilled me red. five times. <laughs> five times. That feels like a I'm commercial, away. you know, of like a, the Peyton Manning when he's hitting those kids with the yeah. Nerf football. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's right. pretty good. Okay. Last question. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm good to call it a day if you are. Yeah. Do you want to get into it? No. Nah, okay. No, yeah. Cool. It's not important to this talk about up. our so, topic at all. So, um, yeah. The onside kick. Yeah. Should that, be, should that rule be changed? Because wow. the probability that's... is, so. I mean, obviously a very difficult Sure. Play to convert. What are your thoughts on that? Did you, I mean, in high school you were, uh, what what would that be called? Kickoff specialist. Kickoff specialist. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it should be taken away out of the game. Like it's, it's such a, it, it happens so rarely. It's, yeah. I get where the league's coming from um, with it being like a completely downhill drive. Like it, what they're trying to do is is eliminate a lot of injury and yeah. you know with the concussion protocols and all the info and data that's come out the last several years it's it's a, and that's a serious topic to talk about yeah but that one play uh, it just seems pretty finite in the grand scheme of like how to protect players or what's the safest aspect of football you know so I think I think it should stay in the game for sure I think I think kickoff in general should stay in the game I know they're trying to they've talked about that we'd not kick yeah. off. Yeah, it's just it's just a part of the game. So, uh, and it's not to discredit what's happening out there, like the studies of health and stuff like that. But it's yeah, it just wouldn't seem like it'd be football the way around if they took it out. Hey, basically, be seven on seven. Yeah, you yeah. heard it yeah. here first, right? <laughs> We're making league policy decisions here. <laughs> One of the reasons that we've been doing this series here with uh, you know kind of generations of money and how that's portrayed by both you and you know, how, how it's developed uh, as you've grown. Sure. So you're 32, mm-hmm. right? So that puts you kind of right in the middle of the millennial sure. spectrum. Just given that perspective, just kind of give us a, a an overview, if you don't mind, starting yeah. from the beginning of, hey, this is, you know, this is what it was like, you know, just growing up. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a very, uh, a very middle-class family, um, lived a lived a good life and and got to have some nice things and and travel a little bit but by no means was it a a lavish uh you know yeah. exhilarant lifestyle by any means so uh but my family my my parents uh 
worked hard and and that was one you know value that they instilled in me is just uh, you know we talked a little bit before the podcast started this our family's generation of of viewing money um, in a completely different light is maybe our generation yeah and so uh, but a lot of the values I, th- I think that were taught through our, our parents are still relevant to us today and probably a huge reason why we're all in this industry to some degree yeah. um, because we, we we value protecting that and, and making good decisions. So, um, yeah, growing up, I mean, like I said, we we uh, we lived a great a great life, just a middle class family in Russellville, and um, but at the same time, like spending was was definitely a uh, you know we talked we talked yeah. through that yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like going out to eat uh, was was definitely a decision you yeah. know to uh, special occasion yeah. right or or you know, something maybe after church one, you know, one time a month or something, we yeah. may go like the Mexican restaurant. And so there, it was, there you go. yeah. So, and, and obviously over time, like I think all of that, and then both my parents are retired now and enjoying themselves. And so I think over time as we've all, we've all grown, yeah, uh, that's loosened up a little bit, but for sure. I mean, there were some, there were some tight spots growing up and, sure. and, uh, and just trying to make good decisions through everything. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it was keep your head down, work hard, uh, do you know, treat people the right way, and sure, you know, stay out of debt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was the message. Yeah, you know, well, so yeah. Um, so and then obviously, you know, you both your parents um, had a had a relationship or a perspective of money um, that they brought into a relationship together mm-hmm. that kind of formed your opinions. Um, you know, so with that being said, as you have. You know, graduated through through life. Uh, you know, what does it look like as you know you're a father of of two young kids? Um, you know, uh, what what does it look like now as you've kind of taken some of the principles that you learned as a as a kid? Um, you know, to to start your own family, and uh, you know, what, what does that relationship with with money look like now? Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm definitely. You know, with my industry now being in commercial real estate and trying to invest responsibly and and develop projects and broker deals, I'm I'm probably a little more risky yeah. than what I I grew up being taught just naturally. Sure. Um, but I think that all just comes comes down to trying to you know be educated about what you're about to do. Yeah. And I know for me with with kids, uh, especially like time is so important, right? And so you're always you hear the cliche sayings of make sure you spend time with your family and your yeah. kids and make sure you carve out time. And so that has always resonated with me. And I think through the early stages of my professional career playing football, um, I I got ripped away from family a bunch, yeah. traveling and away from things I love to do. Uh, like it'd be hunting season and I'd yeah. be playing football, you know? And so there, there were certain pockets that I, I made a priority when I came back and, and got a job that, that I, I wanted to have balance. And, um, so yeah, it's, you know, I want to have the time, you know, growing with my kids and my family. Yeah. Um, but I also want to make a good living. So I think there's, there's a balance and strategy to all that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's interesting to hear you, you know, you kind of, um, go through the 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 thought process of having, you know, where growing up and I felt very similarly, you know, debt was kind of like a scary thing. Sure. For sure. You know, we, it wasn't talked about much and it, the goal 
uh, was to pay things off as quickly as possible, get them off, right? Mm-hmm. Get them taken care of, tired of writing a check for it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as in today, you know, from an investment standpoint, specifically the field that you're in, um, you know, that that is a riskier mantra, right? It is sure. kind of a riskier thing to do. Uh, and, you know, maybe speak to, um, you know, how how that, that thought process is um, developed in you. And, and like you, you mentioned education, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple of things that make sense from, you know, trying to understand what you're doing. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, my, my dad early on, um, I don't want to say all debt's bad debt, but that yeah. was definitely the, you know, that was being pushed. Yeah. Right. And I think it was coming from a place like, he understood it was more than that. Sure. He was trying to, you know, make sure that I protected myself moving sure. forward. I didn't over leverage myself in any way. And this was when I was really young. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, early on, I was like, I don't even know clue what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and just over time, that that message never really changed. Yeah. Um, obviously, as I as I got older, I, I started being a little more experimental and and figuring out how how things worked on their own. But at the same time, it was it was definitely you don't want to get on that road. Yeah. You don't want debt. You don't want X, Y, and Z. And uh, just over time, you learn about healthy debt yeah. and and how to leverage yourself and create opportunities and be strategic. And so, uh, you know, now my my line of, of work could not be more polar opposite <laughs> yeah. than that early. You know, but like I mentioned earlier, I think there, there are layers to to messages like that from your parents, yeah. right? And so there's there's a lot that I've learned through those conversations, even though that may be like the base of the conversation, there were still values in there that my parents taught me that that still apply today to to making good decisions and, and being educated about what I'm doing before I just hop in with two feet. Yeah. So uh, it all it all comes back full circle, but um, I'm I'm definitely more today inclined to take a much bigger risk than yeah. you know, <laughs> hopefully a, a, a calculated risk. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that just comes with you guys too in the banking industry, yeah. right? You're you're looking for a deal and and making sure that it's the right one for the bank and for the yeah. for your group. So uh, I feel like there's a lot of overlap there. Sure, yeah. So in in general, um, it, you know, from a, a millennial perspective, then uh, if you could kind of speak to what you see from friends and colleagues that are you know kind of around your age or my age, kind of in a similar type age bracket of. Uh, of how you see both the good and the bad relationship with with money, um, mm-hmm. you know, you you see people making investments that are probably super wise, and then you see some that are like, I don't know if you should be doing this, right? Um, you know, so right. if you could kind of speak to that a little bit, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think there's there's a new way of thinking and an opportunity these days that we have with uh, with multiple platforms to make different streams of income, right? Yeah. Or or to to work differently that did not look anything like how right. our parents' job did. Right. And so there's a lot of uh a lot of ways to get creative. I also think there's there are a lot of folks that that still believe in a lot of the old uh I don't want to say old, but kind of like the status quo way of working. You you go get a good job, you climb in a company and uh, you make as much money as possible and you go buy nice things. Yeah. You put a lot in savings, but you enjoy yourself along the way and there's not really a ton of risk involved. It's just put your head down, work hard, save sure. your money and enjoy your money as you're growing. And so um, to the opposite effect of that, there's also folks that you know may 
make decisions that that are a little bit uh, out of line with with that yeah with that philosophy too. So and, and I think for for me, I don't really I, I try not to fall in line of either. Yeah, like I want to have I want to be creative and like have time, right? So if I put healthy time on the front end of my job to make money, yeah, I'm hopeful that down the road in the near future, I'm able to really max that time. Yeah. Um, and I'm still growing through that business that I created at that, at that point in time or, or that venture that I invested in. And so, uh, I don't want to time myself down to where I don't have any flexibility, but I also don't want to be the wild west of investing yeah, either. Yeah. And, and I look up and I'm buying a lot of materialistic items or I'm, I want super nice things. I'm not being smart with my money. Sure. So um, again, just another another way of trying to trying to balance that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely more avenues now um, that I feel like millennials and the front end of Gen Z who have mm-hmm. graduated yeah. or or have jobs now. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about Robinhood now. Yeah. You're you're 18 years old and you can go buy 20,000 shares of GameStop if you have that money (laughs) and become a millionaire overnight. Yeah, That's a risky way to invest. But if you want to bet, I think the new one, uh, there's a new stock that everybody's been buying. I think Yellow, which just filed for bankruptcy yesterday and the stock's going up. That that doesn't seem... I know, but it's a risky... But I love the word that you used, uh, risk, because uh, that's just not something that's come across yet. And I do think that is a word, calculated risk, I should say, um, that I do think kind of defines, I'll say, y'all's generation since I'm on the the front end of Gen Z. But um, but yeah, we heard from Ed a little bit about his strategy of kind of like what you were saying, 401k is the way to go. Save, 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 save as much as you can. And so... um, how have you specifically invested? I know you're in commercial real estate business, but um, I haven't bought any commercial real estate myself. Is that kind of your avenue of how you've invested? You know, I, I'm thankful that I had early on a lot of a lot of close buddies that uh, that really honestly changed my perspective in investing and and just money in general. You know, you've got all these podcasts now uh, that that really. Uh, they're motivating, right? And yeah. and a lot of young people are listening to them. You yeah. know, like the Bigger Pockets podcast oh, and yeah. and uh, how I built this. Like, there's a lot of different you know categories out there that are that are motivating young people to to invest in real estate. And so for me, it was baby steps. You know, off the bat, like um, it was a it was a house, and then it was a duplex, and then I was leveraging money to go buy another house and. I was renovating that one. And so it was a very, and this is all of it before I really was a professional in the industry and, and working on, on commercial deals. And so through that, I, I see that as it, it was, it was a great learning process and a, you know, hopefully it will be a lucrative process, but I learned a lot of values through those little base hit deals, right. That yeah. I did with my wife and some friends and, and just learning through the process and really getting my hands dirty on something that wasn't going to put me in a bad position. Um, but learning, learning the values and checking the boxes of things that will allow me to segue into bigger, bigger opportunities. And so it's been really neat now to, I've, I've got several mentors in the market that have really helped me 
uh, well, number one that I've, that I've learned from, but just analyzing a deal and and getting in the right opportunity. But uh, it, it really is crazy how some of those values that you learn from just kind of like we were talking about earlier with our parents. Yeah. Like some of the little tidbits that you learn through the smallest at the time looks like the smallest situation down the road. Those core values of how you analyze that deal and, and the decisions that you're making are still applying today. So I'm, I'm thankful today. I've, I've, I've got a handful of projects that I'm working on. Some are ground up development. Some are trying to buy existing projects in the market. Um, and so it's 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 all learning process. You know, it can all be as complicated or as easy as you want it to be, depending on the deal. But um, I think it's all a part of growth, you yeah. know, for all of us and analyzing a deal. Yeah. So we've had, uh, you've said, you kind of hit on two things that I think resonate a lot. Um, one is time, mm-hmm. you know, just the value of time, whether that be that, um, you know, our, our parents or the generation above us worked really hard, but like you said, it was one job um, and it was, it was, you know, maybe a 60, 70, 80 hour week in that job. Right. And so um, gone, you know, for, for sure from eight to five, but, you know, a potential commute each way too. So you're looking at a significant amount of time outside of right. the home. Um, and so I think that's something that resonates really, really highly with our generation is the ability to be able to spend time with your family, mm-hmm. spend time with the people you care about and finding ways of, of making money and in, in, in the ability to do that. Right. So does that, does that sound like something, you know, that, that, you know, kind of would resonate with, with you and with, you know, uh, looking for other income sure. opportunities that allow you to maybe accelerate, um, you know, spending time with your, spending more time with your family quicker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you nailed it there. It's, it's, uh, early on my, my group of buddies that all wanted to starting investing in real estate, uh, it was all passive income, Yeah, passive income, passive income. And, and so we all put a lot of time into learning about how do we achieve the time how do we achieve this time that we all want? And this is before wives, before kids. Right, like right. we didn't know what we were talking about yeah. at, at all. And so it, that's why I'm, I'm very thankful to, to have had a core group like that that kind of had a bigger vision as, you know, early, you know, just young 20-year-olds trying to trying to make something happen. And so, yeah. uh, but yes, you're exactly right. Finding a way to create that second, third, fourth stream of income passively so that you are able to put, Max time in your family, but also max time and just growing in your practice too. Yeah, you know, the less time you're you're bogged down looking at something that may not be the best uh, resource of, of time for sure. for income, you can put more time into figuring out how to how to scale your business. And so, uh, and that's a lot of, I've tried to do. It hasn't been a, a fast process by any means, but it, it is it is nice now to look at the last ten years and yeah. and be applying some of these these values and these practices that I've, I've tried to teach myself for a long time. And it hadn't been just, you know, it's a lot of it's being surrounding yourself with the right people in the market that have been there and done that yeah. and learning from them. Cool. So, all right. Well, I just have a couple other questions to wrap us up. Yeah. Uh, one or is uh backstreet boys or in sync. I feel like you got to make a decision there. No doubt. And it's no question in sync. <laughs> it's not even a, it's not even, it's not question. even, not even up for discussion. It's not even a question. Backstreet boys definitely is right. They're, they're right there. Okay. They're right there. But in sync was like when JT was like the man. Yeah. Coming, I'll never forget. I went to a concert with a bunch of friends and it was a, it was a Britney and in sync concert. Wow. Like, I mean, that's as big as it gets. Huge. Yeah. I can't remember where it was. But I, I remember going, or maybe it was 
maybe it was like a weekend and we saw both shows and it was Britney and NSYNC. But both of them were like just like another level. I forgot <laughs> I don't know how, awesome. how old we, I would be at that time. I was young. Yeah, but, that had to have uh, been like late 90s or something like that. Yeah, right? but so. man, it was it was awesome. So yeah, in, in, in sync first, but Backstreet Boys is definitely close. Okay, second. all right. Um, and then to round us out, uh, we may need a prediction on this year's Razorback football team. Yeah. Man, I it the hopes are high for sure. Okay. You know, it's uh like we mentioned before the show, it was uh Coach Pittman, I feel like is an incredible leader for you know, just just to the guys in general, but I, I think from a uh from a talent perspective, it, it's with the NIL and everything that's happening right now, it is the wild west of of oh, college yeah. football. There's no rules really yeah. people can get paid and leave and not be penalized and then go to this team get paid again and they're starting to hone in a little bit but i i definitely attribute uh coach Pittman and the coaching staff's values and and how much they've really won over the guys to go work hard for them just based on the kind of person they are because i know these these kids have gotten probably tempted to leave you know some of our our leaders on our team yeah right and and they end up staying and they're getting compensated to some degree but sure it's definitely got to be tempting to to know there's not options out there to go shop and and to see what we've we've brought back for this year is is pretty is pretty exciting okay so, gonna, you can give so some, what's the prediction yeah, oh yeah <laughs> you want an actual prediction i'd like to i mean schedule's kind of kind of weird this year but i'd like to win i'd like to win eight or nine games okay i think I like to win eight or nine I games. think we'd all be really pleased. No doubt. For sure. If no that doubt. happened. Well, I'm not going to sit here and say I want to win five games. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I just, yeah, yeah. You know, honesty, no. you never know. No, <laughs> for sure. No, I'm I'm optimistic about it. And and uh, I don't know. We've, we've, we've always, we've keep climbing off momentum. Yeah. You know, and so if we keep climbing, then there's only one way to go. You give me eight or nine today, we take it to the bank, no pun intended, and, uh, and we roll. <laughs> That's so. right. I'd be, right. I'd be okay with that. Maybe a little uh, Outback Bowl again or Citrus Bowl. Something in Florida. Sure. Something warm. Sure. Yeah. Something in Florida. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the fine line of like you don't want to like just get to bowl, <laughs> like just make a bowl because you're going to be cold. Yeah. And you don't want to get that's like <laughs> 10 games maybe either because you might be cold again. You know, so you've oh, got to like – you've got to – if you're gonna if you're gonna play in warm weather, you yeah. know that eight or nine, you gotta pull the throttle back. If that's you've right. Got, We're you gonna, got three games so left. All right, boys. I know it's Missouri. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but do we why, really want? <laughs> maybe that's why we keep losing to Missouri. Is uh, we want to play, play somewhere warm? The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I I hope they win them all, and and uh, I I've got a great deal of respect for the coaching staff and Coach Pitt, and. Cool. So it'll be, it'll be a fun one to watch, man. Awesome. We're excited. Well, Zach, we appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star rating and drop a review. Follow us on our socials, which can be found in the show notes below. We will catch you next time.